0: To all our Chinese friends, Gung Hei Fat Choi, if you're not Chinese, same thing to you anyway. Happy New Year. All I can say about what's just happened is, wow, that's super. What a tremendous thing. Ted and Joanna, you bring life and excitement I remember a long time ago, up in the baptistry, when you were just about this high and your sister had the joy of seeing Ted and sister make that decision for Jesus Christ in following in baptism. Pastor Steve broke the lavalier mic, so I would have to be attached to this to this wire here. I think he did that on purpose. I'm not sure. That's okay. You know, I can live with it, and I will. You're talking about bridges. He didn't tell me this, but I learned it this morning. And I thought, how beautifully that fits into what we want to say. Because there is a man involved in the scripture that was read, a man by the name of Philip, who was an evangelist, and he most truly was a bridge. A bridge that spanned a gap between knowledge and the lack thereof. Between faith and no faith. Between spirit and no spirit. As I think about that, and I do, I think that life is like a journey. It's a tour. In the military they talk about a tour of duty, meaning a stretch of time, how long you're going to spend it. And many of you are presently on what I would call a tour. While I was pastor here, I led a number of tours. I think perhaps Tom and Marcy were on every one of them, I'm not sure. I'll never forget Marcy when we were at the pyramid dealing with an Egyptian huckster who was trying to sell her a scarab. He didn't speak very good English, but I can remember very well how she responded. First of all, she said, I don't need it. And he was listening carefully. And then she said, I don't like it. And he heard that. And then she walked off and said, I don't want it. And I heard that Egyptian huckster saying to himself as he walked away, I don't need it, I don't like it, I don't want it. I suspect he was trying to prepare himself for someone else. That was a great tour. Ed and Ruth just celebrated 60 years on a tour. You're great, Ruth. So are you, Ed. (laughs) A tour. Young people are on a tour. Beth, Tim, some of the rest of you. You probably don't think it's the best years of your life, but my friends, it is. Don't forget the beauty and the opportunities that are yours now. You say, oh, but school and homework and all of that. Oh, that many of us could enjoy that again, believe it or not, on a tour. It's a tour, to be sure. Louise was with us on a tour when we were going to the Holy Land She had not yet come to the place where it was difficult for her to, as difficult for her to walk. And I tried to talk her out of going through Hezekiah's tunnel. I couldn't any more talk her out of that than fly. Neither could Jerry. She was determined she would go. I used to have a hat. It had two bills. Have you ever seen a hat with two bills, one going, one going that way? On the top it said, Where did they go? I'm the leader. Sometimes when you're on a tour, you feel that way. I'm on a tour. In the scripture that was read, and I think it was beautiful, it is a beautiful passage of scripture, we learn certain things about certain people. A tour was being taken by one of the officials, very close to the Queen, part of the exchequer. One who had been given responsibility. But somewhere along the line, he had some sort of a religious experience because he was reading the scripture. And the scripture that he was reading was from Isaiah. And as he read it, he was trying to see, what does it say? How does it help me? Is there anything here that I can learn that would be of ex- experiential help in my tour in life? An evangelist by the name of Philip came... came at that point, just at the auspicious point in the experience, saw the man in the chariot reading the Scripture. Do you remember the event that took place in this tour? The evangelist said to this very interesting person, Do you know what you're reading? And he said, How can I know what I'm reading? There's no one to tell me. There is no guide, so to speak, to give me the experience and to know exactly what it is that I'm reading. Now think about that experience just for a moment, and I'm going to lead you on a little tour. The tour that we're going to be looking at is in the Scripture, found in this very interesting place. And I've learned something about tours. First of all, I have a very poor sense of direction. Some time ago, a member of this church said to me, I don't know why I should follow you. You don't even know which way is out of the gas station, going right or left. How could you direct me to heaven? I said, well, I have a guide. And I want us to look at that guide today, because the Word of God, in my way of thinking, is the most beautiful guide that you and I could ever experience. Certainly, a guide is a person, sometimes a map, sometimes a book but a director, so to speak, to give us understanding of where we're going to go and how we're going to be there. And sometimes there's a change in the tour. There is a detour, if you please. And it leads you in a different direction. Some of the things that we have in our minds, we've already decided this is the way it's going to be. And I have the understanding of it, and let me tell you how it is. Thomas Wheeler, not the Thomas Wheeler of this church, But this Thomas Wheeler, to whom I refer, was the chief executive officer of the Massachusetts Mutual Life Insurance Company. He tells a good story on himself. He says he and his wife were driving along on the freeway, and they pulled off on an exit because they noticed that the gas tank was getting low. And he pulled into this little seedy gas station. Only one attendant and one pump. And he pulled up to the pump and... Saw the gentleman there come out. Wheeler says, uh, I ask him would he look under the hood and see how the oil is and I'll pump the gas. And after the attendant had looked under the hood, closed the hood, he began talking to Wheeler's wife and they began laughing. They seemed to enjoy the company together. And Wheeler was watching all this. Thought, what's going on here? So after the attendant had been paid and walked off, pretending like nothing had ever happened. Wheeler and his wife took off down the highway. And he said to her, Did you know that man? And she said, Well, yes, I knew him. She says, As a matter of fact, I knew him because we seriously dated together in high school. In fact, we almost got married. Wheeler said, thinking about all this, he just couldn't help bragging a little bit. And he said, boy, were you lucky I came along. Because if you had married him, you'd have been the wife of a gas station attendant. To which she replied, my dear, if I had married him, he'd have been the chief executive officer and you had been the gas station attendant. A change of the tour, you see. This passage of Scripture, however, brings us into a recognition of what a tour is like, a direction. Here's an Ethiopian, doesn't know Jesus as a Savior, is still back in the Old Testament. While I was pastor here, a very interesting thing happened, and I need to tell you about it because it relates somewhat to what's happening here. I was in my study, which happened to be downstairs at that time, Sarah Beardsley was the secretary. She called me and she said, there's a young man that wants to see you. I said, who is he? She said, I don't know. He's from somewhere else, it seems. He came down and I said, how do you do? He said, uh, I need to talk to you. And I said, fine, what can we talk about? First of all, he, s- he told me he was from Ethiopia. I said, oh, you are? Why are you here? Well, I work for the airlines, the Ethiopian Airlines, and this is my one chance to get here. And what I want from you, Pastor, is I would like to be baptized. An Ethiopian asking to be baptized. Isn't that interesting? And I said, why? He says, because in the place that I live there is no water, there is no opportunity, so to speak, and I believe that God has called me on this life's journey to be obedient. And I believe he's saying to me that I need to take this step of commitment and I'd like for you to baptize me. What a joy it was. This young man's name was Jared, and right up here, this Ethiopian man who wanted to be baptized, not unlike the one in the New Testament and the book of Acts, followed the Lord Jesus Christ in baptism. It was a detour in the life for him that led him in the right direction. I thought to my soul, thank God. Today, as you... Drive around at night, you notice those who are cyclists who are very careful to have reflectors of some nature, sometimes on their clothing, on their shoes, on their bikes. And why? To protect themselves so that no one will run into them. A person who stumbles around in the dark could have great trouble. I believe that Philip the Evangelist was a bridge. Do you understand what you're reading? Do you know about the guide that's available to you? Have you learned what God would have you to do and how he would have you to proceed? I think that each and every one of us have a guide, and I wonder if we are using it to its nth degree, because I believe in this guide that you and I have, we have what I believe is a guide to God's plan. I was pastor in the San Francisco area for some time, back in the 70s and even late 60s. And I recall dealing with a hippie. We had plenty of them in those days. And this gentleman came, and I began to witness to him about my faith in Christ. And I pulled out the little booklet. You know the little booklet? Four Laws. (laughs) And I began unfolding for him God's plan. And do you know what he said to me? He said, man, what a far out program that is. How could God, if there is a God, put on flesh and come down to earth and then kill himself? And I said, that's not exactly the way it is. And we began to look at this guide. And this guide began to open up vistas for him and for me as we talked about a plan, God's beautiful plan. Surely this wouldn't have been my plan, it wouldn't have been your plan, but it was God's plan. And he gave a guide to encourage this person to make that kind of commitment which was so important. I don't think God has turned his back. On anyone? How can I understand, asks the Ethiopian. How can I know what it is that Isaiah is talking about? I think in the 53rd chapter, where there is a description of who Jesus would be years and years before he ever came to earth, there in Bethlehem. And here the prophet is really indicating to us who Jesus would be and what he would do. He was bridging, you see. He was making a transition. He was opening doors and suggesting the possibilities and the beauty that could happen. And you, who had been blinded spiritually could walk across that bridge into a relationship with Jesus Christ. A beautiful, beautiful thing. This is a short story by a Spanish poet by the name of Carmen Corday. In it, a young mother discovers the baby she has just given birth to. Early on, she finds out that this baby is blind. Cannot see. Wouldn't that be a tremendous thing to find your child? Couldn't see. Corday opens the story, and he continues with it to say that she decided she didn't want her son to know that he was blind. Can you imagine? And so she said to all the family, I don't want you to use such words as light and color and sight. I don't want this child to know that he's blind. So all of the family decided, well, maybe we'll go along with this. Well, it went along for a while and the child felt that he was just like every other child. Until one day, a neighbor girl came across the garden fence. And she began using all of these words color and light and sight and beauty and all of the things. And the distraction that came to this young man was devastating. I can't see color or light or trees or flowers. I can't see the faces of the people around me. I know there's something different. Sometimes we can blind ourselves to the truth around us that there are people who need to hear what the guide has to say. And we say, well, I'm all right in my own light and in my own way. But God has said that each of us are given the responsibility to read the guide and to be the substitute for the guide. I wonder what kind of a guide you would be. How it would be that were someone to say to you, reading the scripture, I don't understand it. I don't know how. The Scripture doesn't tell us why of God's plan, but I can tell you that it tells us the how and the result of it. If, in fact, I look at this guide and if I follow it carefully, it opens to me a wonderful way to be a witness for Jesus Christ. This man didn't have a clue. Who is Isaiah speaking about? Is he talking about himself, he says? And Philip says, no, that's not who he's talking about. He's got somebody else in mind for you. Friend from Ethiopia, high up in the political offices, he can take your life and he can make it into something that you really have never experienced, a oneness, a newness. And so the guide can be a guide for us in God's plan. And I think there's something else we you ought to recognize in this guide. Now, I want, first of all, to say to you, I don't worship this book. I am not a bibliolater. But I want to tell you that I worship the person that this book talks about. I recognize that this guide is only a guide to a way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And so that guide gives me the plan, but you know what else it gives me? It lets me know what God's expectation is. And so this Bible, this book, is an opening to God's expectation, what he expects from me. Certainly on this roadmap or guide, you'll recognize that it isn't a freeway. But there are indeed those costs that are involved with it, and there is this expectation that God puts upon the people who walk across the bridge. God's roadmap, just how, as a child of God, I need to fulfill what He expects from me. Now, those of you who are young people know that there are house rules. I suspect you do. You know that you are to clean up your room. You recognize that you are to do your chores. You know that you are to do your homework. You recognize you are to be in perhaps by 10 o'clock. I'm being, you know, I'm old, and 10 o'clock was the way we used to do it. Now I know it's a little later, but it's hard to transcend to that. Expectations, you get them in your home. My friend Paul Cito babysits with his granddaughter occasionally, he and his wife, and they have a charming granddaughter by the name of Bethany. And Bethany's a sweetheart. She's precocious. And I remember him telling me one day that he had been babysitting with his granddaughter, and he told her that she needed to do something, upon which case she placed her hands on her hips and said to him, You don't know the rules of this house. I know the rules. You don't know them. There are house rules. There are rules given here by the Scripture. Jesus said certain things. There are two very explicit requirements. They're called the ordinances. Not sacraments, but ordinances. I'll not give you that sermon today. But the ordinance is God's expectation. And He says about loving Him and following Him, there is a cost. The first step, he's saying, is to let that inward feeling be shown through an outward experience which we know as baptism. Not if it's convenient. But if you love Jesus Christ, you're not going to stand back. You're going to say to the pastor, Pastor, I've accepted Jesus. I'm ready. I want to take that step of commitment of baptism. It's not going to save you. You're already a disciple of Christ, but what it does, it shows to others that you really mean business about what's happened in your life. Don't be afraid of it. It's a wonderful experience. I've had the joy of baptizing many, many people. I've never had one say to me, I'm sorry I did it. There's a rejoicing that happens, not only in your own heart, but in heaven, that someone has taken the step that has... Recognized what the expectations of God might be through the guide that he's given. That's not only true of salvation and it's not only true of baptism, but when you come to the table, this is an expectation. God doesn't say it's an option, go ahead if you want to take communion, but you don't have to. That's not what he says. He says, this do. This is a requirement. I expect this from you. And how long shall I do it, Lord, till I come? When are you coming, Lord? Not for you to know. You keep abiding by the goal. You keep following the guide. You keep reading and studying. And then I hear some of the theologues say, Oh, but you know there's all kinds of contradictions in the Scripture. Inerrancy. Fuller dealt with that 30 years ago. How am I going to deal with this? Could I really take this to be truth? The Word of God. Is inspired. It is the pneuma of God which is breathed into you through the Holy Spirit. And a recognition that that pneuma, the word N P N E U M A, the Greek word talking about breath or air, we get such words as pneumonia, pneumatic hammer, those sorts of things, wind driven. And it is the scripture that is breath driven by the breath of God and the Spirit, inbreathed within the Word and within us, if we will hear and see. This guide, a guide for your tour, friends. Not a map, not an atlas, but a word. The person described here is a guide for you and me to take the step of life and not be afraid of it, but to rejoice in it. I serve as chaplain at a retirement. It's a Presbyterian. I don't know what happened. They let a Baptist into the Presbyterian place as chaplain and uh, They're not asking me to do anything Presbyterian, just preach the word, which is good, and I'm glad for that. But they're great people, but they're getting older. And so I'm called upon to do a great many memorial services. And all through those times, I'm thinking about what kind of life, what kind of tour, how have you filled this responsibility? As young people have their whole life ahead of them, those people have only a few years perhaps. And how do you prepare for that which is imminent? You do it by following the guide. Not one with two bills saying, where did they go? I am the leader. But one who recognizes and directs, I am the way. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the Alpha and Omega, the bright and morning star. That's who I am, says Jesus. And that's who Philip was talking to this eunuch about. And as I recognize the imbuity of the Person here, I can see that God is making very clear what it is that He wants you and me to do. We think we understand, but if we're not looking at the guide, we might not recognize the expectation. He desires that we spend time in the Word, He desires that we have communication through prayer, that we talk to Him, that we relate. Wouldn't it be stupid to say you love someone and never talk to them? Never make a path of communication? I get to travel quite often. Sometimes Dee is with me, sometimes she isn't. But I carry her picture in my wallet, and I take it out and I look at it, and I think that's wonderful. But you know, when I'm with her, I'm not looking at the picture. I'm looking at her. I think when we love someone, we look for them. We try to be with them. We communicate with them. We tell them we love them. We expect an exchange in communication. It's a tremendous thing to be able to talk to God and know that He talks to you and that the responsibility is mine to initiate. Lord, strengthen me, encourage me, help me to be what you want me to be. I have your guide. Let me check it carefully to see your expectation. And if this is true, and I believe it is, then I believe that this guide not only is a guide to God's plan and a guide to God's expectation, but it is most certainly a guide to life's journey. I want to ask you a question. Have you In the last week or two, our worship leader said this had been a bum week for him. I don't think he said bum, but that's kind of what he meant. That things hadn't gone so easily. Have you ever felt discouraged? And if you haven't, you are the most unusual person I've ever met. Have you ever felt fear? Or perhaps you've felt guilt. Boy, guiltiness. That's a tough one to deal with. Or there are other issues with which we need to deal. Certainly the problems that come with the contemporary lifestyle that we live. And I wonder if we have recognized that there is a help. And that help is the one that the psalmist said, I will look into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So he says in the 121st Psalm. My help comes from not the mountains, not the hills, not the San Gabriels, but from the one who brought them into existence. And that help will help me during these times of frustration, times of fear, guilty feelings that wrap around me. Philip became a catalyst. He became that bridge in between the God of heaven and the Christ of the cross and an Ethiopian who didn't understand what he was reading. I wonder, as he read, I'm sure that there wasn't time to do all of the things that Philip would would have wanted to do. So I feel like this Ethiopian eunuch had to continue in the reading, in the delving into the truths of God. As Philip went on preaching and teaching, that was his call He was a part of that experience and tour. Where are you on your tour? Some of you are newly married, Ted and Joanna. Some of you have been married a long time, Ed and Ruth. Some of you are at about the middle of the stage, Dave and Cindy. You can just find yourself along somewhere in the tour. But in that tour that you're taking, if you can fix your eyes upon Jesus, we sing a song, turn your eyes upon Jesus, the things of the earth grow strangely dim. And with our eyes upon him and our feet upon the path, which sometimes seems narrow, but he said it would be, and there wouldn't be everyone that would get on the path, but as our eyes are fixed upon that goal, and as we look in terms of what our Tour looks like there is direction. And I want to tell you this guide never fails. He'll never lead you into the wrong path. The Bible won't either. The Bible which reflects upon who He is and what He does. It's not going to lead you astray. Nor will Jesus Christ. He will lead you in the way everlasting. Where are you on your tour? Let the bridge span whatever your problem is and find the joy in loving and serving Jesus. Pray with me. Lord God, we fail you so often. We fall short of your expectation. We know the plan, but on this tour, we constantly need your guide. Help us to focus ourselves. Help us to deal with our concerns Perfectly through your word. It may not simply be reading the Bible as such, but that's certainly a help and a guide and gives us a direction to the one who can lead us not astray, but fully into the truth. Thank you for the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, for this one who is a catalyst, a bridge to bring another person to a relationship for which he would never be sorry. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Not used to invitation recently, but I've never preached and not given an invitation. I'd just like to say to you if you've never received Jesus as your Savior, what a perfect time. As we're singing together, just a step from your place, come to the front. The pastor will set up the opportunities for you. But if you've not found Him, don't leave without trusting Him. And maybe you need to recommit your life, and maybe you're here and you ought to unite with this church. It's a great church. It's a wonderful church. It's where God ministers to people. So as we sing together this ancient word one more time, if you're here and you want to make such a decision, step from your seat and come to the front.